0: hello everyone welcome to cb bowman live challenges of the c-suite hey listen i have to brag a little bit don't you love my earrings and my new pendant my hubby gave it to me for our first year anniversary right he's a keeper okay so enough bragging but i just had to share with you so it's so good to see you this week hey uh, you're going to have to forgive me. I have to have mints and Bricola. My throat's killing me. I've been coughing out of control. And I believe it's for, it's not COVID. Don't worry. Um, it's the Sahara uh, dust winds that are coming across to the United States that are just causing us havoc with our lungs and coughing. So not to worry. It's air pollution and we're not used to that here in Colorado we're used to pristine air and beautiful views so hey you know it is what it is but forgive me you know I bring it to you real so here are my lifesavers and my Ricola and I have my liquid refreshment my juice and tangerine water mixture. So I am ready. And we have a great guest here. Oh my gosh, this man is I don't even know how to describe it. But I will tell you, for my wedding, he picked, well, I picked the best my favorite song, which is a Tina Turner song. And he rearranged it, or I don't know how you call it, but he sang it and it brought the house down. I owe him so much. I, I will just never forget what he did for me. But it's just an inkling into his many talents. He is a master at helping people get in touch with their reality, their authentic self, even though I hate the word authentic South because the words, it's been so overused. So let's just say, helping people get in touch with who they are and showcase it to the best of their ability through music. So he takes his brilliance in music and allows people to heal and showcase. What an exciting show we have. And he's gonna share with us His personal journey. And you know, I was talking to a good friend of mine yesterday, Tasha Ehrlich, about how people are not willing to share their personal journey. And it's kind of selfish because other people may be going through the same adventures in life and not know how to survive or get through it like. The person who is going through has gone through it and has been resilient. And I just find if we talk a little bit about our experiences, I mean, you hear me talking about my experience all the time. Not to overdo it, but to let you know if you're going through the same thing, you're not alone. And so we're so fortunate because Johannes is going to share a bit about his story. So without further ado, may I introduce my dear friend, Johannes. Johannes, welcome. Thank you
1: so much, CB, for having me today. Thank you so much for your kind words. Um, mean, it means a lot to me and our friendship and a professional, you know, being professional colleagues and friends really means the world to me and uh, sharing music with you as well.
0: Well, I didn't tell people, full disclosure, Johannes is part of MG100, Marshall's Group, and that's how we met each other. So we both have the honor to be part of that group. Johannes, tell us a little bit about what you do before we go backwards to how you got to what you what you're doing.
1: <laughs> that's a that's a great question, and uh, you kind of compressed it in such a beautiful way, much better than I actually could. So uh, I I need to write this down <laughs> what you just said. <laughs> Uh, What I basically try to do and and, and, do in my work is helping helping people live a better life by actually understanding who they are and bringing them back to their innate musicality that all of us have. This innate musicality that is often buried in us when we, like, when we express it, when we free it, when we express it in its manifold ways from speaking to sharing our stories to coming up with great ideas to being less fearful and just, you know, being on stage and saying what we have to say. When we, when we are enabled and when we, when we allow ourselves, when we give ourselves the permission to be our full, wonderful musical self then we can live better personal lives and live better professional lives. And in in the work I do, I aim to help people like uncover that and grow with their innate musicality.
0: You're saying that everybody has innate musicality, which I've not heard that term before. It's a lovely (laughs) term. Um, People used to assume that I was an had innate musicality because I was black, right? Meantime, I could not keep a beat to save my life. So I would argue that I, I don't have that. Um, I'm sure others would argue the same. So how do you discover something that you don't really believe you have? And proof of the pudding was, I couldn't clap to music. I had to watch other people. <laughs> <laughs> Behavior to clap. How do you
1: prove it yeah? Well, it's proof of the pudding is that you were sharing yourself, your emotions, your ideas, your happiness about the earrings, that you shared your story about your health and your voice, and how you introduced other people, how you introduced me to the world. You shared this with the most beautiful instrument that you have, your voice. Who cares if it's a melody? Who cares if it's a specific rhythm? Who cares about A flat minor? We share our stories all day long. When we get up to when we go to bed and we use our most beautiful instrument. Like I think no one would argue that our voice is voice has the biggest range of emotions for anyone. I mean, we listen to singers all the time. And every one of us can express this through our speaking voice. We have perfect control over our pitch, over our tone, happiness, sadness, about the rate how we speak, about the excitement we produce, about the volume how we share our stories. We have perfect, perfect pitch when it comes to this topic of musicality. And that's that's about it. And starting there, like opens up a whole new universe, at least universe of awareness that we have this musicality.
0: Well, that's interesting, because I never realized that my voice tone indicated my mood until I got married. (laughs) You know, when you're married, you really have to pay attention to your spouse if you're going to have a Mm -hmm. long and happy marriage. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that when I get mad at my husband, <laughs> my voice definitely changes. I am not raising my voice, but in fact, I'm doing the opposite. I'm lowering my voice mm-hmm. and to the point of not speaking to him, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I have found, because he's very um, in tuned with me, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. so I have found that if I raise my voice, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work with him. He's just like, yeah, okay. You can't do it as well as I can. I'm Italian, mm-hmm. right? So, <laughs> <laughs> the opposite, though, has a big effect on him. Mm-hmm. If I get to the point where I'm just not talking to him, it drives him up a tree,
2: mm-hmm. right?
0: Of course. So I, I think I, I see what you're saying here, how we do use our voice, but what what say you about people who who can't speak who can't use their voice how do they uh express this musicality then
1: of course of course that's and that's a very important question because not all of us can can actually physically express ourselves i think the i give one analogy of one of the greatest musicians in history who had a real like uh like real um disability when it comes to speaking or to listening ludwig van beethoven composed his works deaf completely deaf he heard it inside he heard it inside of himself and he did not keep his his gift with the world by himself he had the ability he he understood how to how to write and how to create melodies and how to how to create beautiful harmonies and make the, the oboe sound beautiful when it plays together with the violins. So that's obviously a huge part is education was education for him that he was able to express it. But he he chose in the face of the greatest adversity you can imagine, not being able to hear your own composition. He chose to continue and compose it and share it in the way he could. He wasn't able to hear it and he wasn't able to... I mean, I I have never heard that he was actually a singer or, like, expressed it much through his voice. He was able to write it. He used his hands. His hands were his way of actually sharing what goes on in his heart. His hands, by writing down the symphony, I mean, the Ninth Symphony, he did not hear a single word of it. He actually drove his neighbors crazy because... He lived in Vienna and he had so many apartments and they kind of kicked him out of all his apartments because what did he do? He wasn't able to listen to his music. So he actually stomped so much the rhythm on the floor. And with his hands, he knocked on the walls to get the rhythm and to to actually feel the rhythm. And that how he was able to to feel his music without ever actually listening to it. So when we actually like when people cannot speak or don't have the ability to express to express it in w- with their words, let's see what other uh, opportunities you have to to express your musicality, maybe through words, through a beautiful poem, or through actually um, dancing, through through the rhythm that that you that that you hear without without using your words. So we have we have so many ways to express the musicality. our our voice is just one, our ears internalizing the beauty of of music and of rhythm and what other people say, our hands to create something new, to write something new, our senses to touch something, so a lot of, there are actually drummers who are completely deaf, they um, feel the rhythm and get rhythm by placing their hands and fingers to the loudspeakers to actually, to understand the rhythm, or we can actually dance Um, So, so many ways of expressing it, not just limited to, um, to the voice.
0: So when uh, I have heard of people who have the unique ability, as you mentioned, to feel music through like uh, the floor and dancing, you know, Mm -hmm. why is it that we can't all feel that? Why can't, um, why can't we all learn rhythm through touch or our other senses
1: Mm -hmm. i think it has to do with a lot has to do with exposure and actually having it as a given that that we that that we that we have the the perception the belief and the internal knowledge that we're able to do it if we want to and i think that's also like goes uh, like hand in hand to what you mentioned before you do not think of yourself as a musician you do not think of yourself as being musical so you block everything you block this idea of 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 yourself um like and it's not even reality for you first of all we need to believe and understand and know that we are musical before we can actually create a single note it's the same as with singing when, 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 we, when a singer produces a, a tone a note and releases it, where is the sound where does the sound where is the sound created? The sound is not created in the sound waves the sound is created way ahead by the thought. No we way. first need to think of the thought before we can actually project it. So that's what like every great every voice teacher I ever had, every violin teacher I ever had, they taught me Johannes, Don't just play, don't just sing, don't just release a note note just because you want to. Think of it first. Think of with this next song, you want to reach the person who sits in the last row. So you need to think of projecting your voice in a way that goes there. And this goes such a long way of actually producing the sound, the emotion, And the rhythm and the music that we want. So knowing first that we're able to do it is, is, you know, as we say in the German language, half of the rent.
0: (laughs) So Johannes, can you give us a sample of the difference if you were singing to somebody right in front of you versus singing to somebody way in the back of the audience? Mm
1: -hmm, Of course. So, I mean, there there are a few, there are a few, elements that we can always manipulate, each one of us, no matter if I'm singing or speaking. It's the pitch, it's the, the volume, it's the rate, so how, how quick am I, how, how fast am I actually singing anything or saying something, and it's also the, the tone of am I singing it happy or sad. So if you're in front of me...
0: Wait, what's the difference between a
1: pitch and a tone? Aren't they the the pitch, okay, sorry. The pitch is actually the how
0: high
1: or low... Am I singing it? Oh. So that's the pitch. Which kind of tone do I want to produce? Which one is, first of all, what is my personal pitch? And this is another topic that we could cover. What is my authentic bass level pitch? What is my, my, my own natural voice? So that's the pitch and the tone of it is, am I singing? Let's think of it like a rainbow. A rainbow emotion or a rain cloud emotion that's the tone that i can produce so it's actually in music like major and minor happy and sad rainbow, rain cloud or any other analogy that you want so what is the emotion that i want to produce with with what i'm seeing so when i sing to someone at the very end of of the let's say a big concert hall there's a much more emphasis on projection on like having strong volume of having strong breath of using my full lungs full capacity to not strain my vocal cords to not strain myself when i when i sing think of the person that i want to reach sing higher so i actually my my voice actually can go a longer way and use these you know manipulate this this elements when i sing just in front of you virtually or hopefully soon again in person Then I know volume. How do I want to manipulate this? Louder? I don't necessarily need to. You will understand me well. Lower? Hmm, Maybe lower volume might actually have a better effect because the lower volume. The often when we lower our volume when we sing. When we sing, you know, quieter, there is more tension, there is more um, anticipation. There is a stronger, there is a stronger dramatic, stronger drama in it. When I wanna sing something, very quiet, and take a break, and let it linger, low rate. If this is the situation I want to create, whether I sing or whether I speak, in in a for a presentation, not necessarily singing then, um, that these are the elements that we can all influence: the pitch. How high or low, the rate, how quick, how slow, the tone, um, how rain bowie, how rain cloudy, and the volume. How loud, how quiet do I want to do I want to transport my message? Because this will tell, as you just shared, when your husband, when your husband is angry at you, or when you're angry at him, this gives a completely different experience of our lives. I, I mean I had this at one point, I, I was. I was, uh, I want you to make a like dessert um, at home and ask my spouse again, okay, do, you, do you want a favorite dessert? Sure. This was like, in, a, in a, this, was like, this was a moment when we had like some kind of argument before, but usually it's kind of, sure, higher, a little bit more excitement in it, right? So yes. I, you can try that. Sure, 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 question mark. So small little elements. We use it all day long. Most, mostly we use it in an unconscious way. So being aware of it, uh, when you speak in front of important audience, which we always speak in front of an important audience, uh, that can go a long way.
0: Wow. I remember that, um, you taught for the association of corporate executive coaches, which I'm the CEO of, we asked you to come in and do a presentation. And you taught us how to write a song. I'll never forget that. <laughs> um, can you can you share with the audience a little bit about how you did that?
1: Sure. It was it was so much fun. I remember this very fondly. Um, in the middle, well, at the beginning uh, of of the pandemic, and and when we were all new to the situation of working from home and and through Zoom, uh, what we did is actually that. I think nobody really in, in the group was has written a song before, as no. far as I remember. No,
0: yeah, we were all so every- executive coaches. Yes. Um, we were all, uh, you asked us to think of something important to our problem we mm-hmm. wanted to solve. Mm-hmm. And everybody thought, why is, first of all, the coaches who are all master level coaches couldn't see the connection between music and coaching. Mm -hmm. And so you said, "Okay, think of a problem that you want to solve or an event you want to solve. And we're going to put it to music. And I Mm -hmm. could see, because we did it on Zoom, everybody was thinking, "Okay, CB is (laughs) mine for bringing this guy in. And what the hell is he talking about? But then when you taught us, we were like, can he come back again?
1: Yes, well, well, welcome to my, welcome to my life. <laughs> yes!
0: So take us to the exercise you put us through.
1: It's, it's truly so, yeah, for, so for, for our audience today, it's truly about, if your story were a song, how would it sound? How would the lyrics be? What would the story be? Imagine, like, really, I, we always ask the question, um, if you need to, if you could compress... Your biggest story that you have today this year in your life at home with your co-workers with your startup with your coaches if it were a song can you compress it in a two-minute in a three-minute song with just a few lyrics what would be the song title what would it be the first wor- verse be about what's the chorus about what is the highlight the climax of the song what is the melody of your song of your story is it a happy Is it a sad song why why not? When does it change? When will it get happy? What is a different perspective? Who is telling the story? Is it you? Is it your clients? Is it your spouse, your significant other? Who, what? What? A, what is their experience of your story? So there are so many elements that we can bring together in our biggest story and try to make sense of it by compressing it in a in a very short, in a very concise way. And with 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 writing songs about it, the, the beauty of it is that we can all connect to it that's number one whether we have done this ever ever done before or not doesn't really matter we all know what it how a song looks like and how it should sound like and what a good song is about and then we can actually go through this go through this process of okay i have my first verse i'm gonna maybe start with where am i right now what is the situation i am at but i don't have that much space for it i just have four lines First line, second line, a few words, third line, maybe a rhyme, fourth line to highlight it. I have four lines to bring it all together in a way that is memorable and in a way that I don't use my business language and profit and loss and revenue and like adversity. Adversity, this word doesn't exist in a song. I need to come up with metaphors. How do I feel? How does the problem look like? How does it sound like? How does it smell like? Um, Where do I want to be um, in, in this situation? And the the, the, the the true missing link for me is between normal storytelling and creating a business uh, presentation and a slide and whatever and creating a song is I make sure to have both topics uh, or like parts of it that I can see, let's say, external characteristics. So I, I include this, for example, today is Tuesday, I, I'm right now. I'm at my office, and I work on this uh, on this topic. And this is all external, so I can see it. Even I don't need to experience it. With the song, we go one step ahead and further, and also include the topic of internal characteristics into it. That means, how do I feel about this? That I'm right now in this situation. That I go to the to this uh, to this whatever event is I'm talking about in my story. And I make sure I have space, dedicated space, to share how do I feel about it. What does this do to me? What does it do with me? Where am I going from there? So we share the outside world, the inside world, the intellect, the heart, the feelings, the emotions with the story development, with music, with rhymes, with verses, in a very short amount of time, with very little words. It's difficult it's a difficult um, thing to do and on the other hand it's also very rewarding because um it it, it helps us really understand where we are um, better and feel our story better
0: well I'll, 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 i never told you this but the exercise that we did i used it to create my wedding vows so you mm-hmm. were all around and mm-hmm. involved in my wedding from the song mm-hmm. to the wedding vows
1: remember uh, i remember that
0: and it really um it allowed me to look inside and i'll tell you when i was younger i used to write poetry but it was a very different experience working with you johannes to uh i don't know it was like magical in how you uh taught us to um express what we were feeling and then you took it and you added the music to it. And what I found happened is that what I was writing, when it came out in Music Through Your Sound, it sounded different than what it was in my head, mm-hmm. but it was right on point. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, that's that's an incredible gift that you have. So, so this program is Challenges of the C-Suite. And mm-hmm. I know that you work with the C-Suite to help them um, understand themselves and how they present themselves to the, to, impl- to their staff and to the world. Mm-hmm. Can you, without disclosing a name, give us an example of something that somebody in the C-suite went through and was able to work it out through mm-hmm. music?
1: Mm-hmm. A good example is, is a, is a um, program where I was um, hired actually to do um, executive coaching for actually the, the, the team and, and the C-suite for, um, to actually help them go through an agile change process from coming from an organization that was actually very, um, there was very much in, in, in a legacy mindset basically. They're very, very uh, hierarchical, very much on structure, very much on, they had all, all these boxes checked with with strategy and so on and so forth, but they were not really able to, um, to actually like connect to their, to their peers and to their, and to their employees and to their colleagues. So this did not really happen. And through the work that I was doing with them, um, actually one part was actually setting up an agile, Strategy with them, and the other part was actually helping them as well, expressing it their stories through music.
0: what an agile strategy is.
1: So, an agile mindset and setting up an agile methodology is actually thinking not in a long term, um, not not setting up a long term strategy and then creating goals to reach that strategy, but having small little minds- milestones to move forward, basically step by step. So the what what you can think about is you always do little little sprints to move where you actually to move closer to where you want to be and have like short like short results in a very short amount of time. So where you don't think oh in 2 years we need to reach this and that specific goal and to fulfill our strategy but our new methodology is actually let's think about what can we change today with the resources we have today and do this continuously. So this actually creates like a different perspective because all of a sudden our our corporate development and the departmental development is not just, uh, you know, we don't rely only on the leadership and they know what the big strategy is. No, we break it down. We break down our progress into smaller steps and everybody needs to be involved. So it creates much more autonomy, um, lower dependency on a headquarters, it creates more, um, you know, like uh, I need my more responsibility for everyone in, in this team. And this, for this specific organization that I was working with on, on the East Coast, this was a huge challenge because everybody was in the team and their employees they were basically, you know, following kind of orders that they got. But there was no initiative coming from the employees. It was no there was there was a lot of lot of struggle when it came to that. Many employees. It sounds like
0: there was no motivation, reward. Yeah, because no,
1: was, it was. Stamps were too big. It was fine. Everybody was doing fine, and everybody was working there for a long time, so there was a low fluctuation fluctuation rate, which was actually a challenge because it was a, like, like safe haven, and okay, leadership will tell us what to do, and we just sit there i mean they were very much like they were very you know eager but no motivation came from the people yeah. themselves so we needed to shake this up and um through through like creating like an agile change methodology part of it was music actually to to achieve that and part of it was and that was for the first time i think ever this has been um done in a in for a global for a global event we did with it with a team of ninety from the C-suite and, and leadership and employees from all over the world, and over a three-day program, we actually part of it was creating a song about this change together with everybody, and nobody had a clue what 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 was going on. But we did. We created a song about this new mindset, this agile methodology. We used this as the content that we were working on for six, seven, eight months, we brought, we broke this down and wrote our first verse about this. Okay. What, how do we want to work differently? One verse was actually about, okay, if we screw it up, this will not be a problem anymore because this is part of the process. And they wrote this in a song together, all the 90. And we had then, it was, it was just, it was just an amazing like part of this of this um, kind of new mindset that we created together in these th- three days, um, like in addition to you know to all the the, the the other topics that we're talking about, creating the song together and and this was unforgettable performing it together after three days. With um, I produced I produced the the background track overnight in the hotel room and with a big speaker system we had a we had a beautiful upright piano there. And we had the, um, the lyrics as a karaoke version on on, on on the video screen. And then all the 90 people were standing there and were actually, with one rehearsal, doing very well of performing this together. And then the, the, the essence of it is that while we were creating this change, we were actually also seeing and experiencing this change on a different, on a very emotional and heart Level, and it was interesting because I spoke to one of my colleagues uh, who I was working on this project with. um, uh, Like this was a few weeks ago, and I I, I wrote an email to him like about something completely different. And he told me, Johannes, I was just talking with this client a week ago, and we were just talking about this song which stuck in their mind uh, so strongly. So this was one one very beautiful and memorable um, uh, like experience where we saw we can actually really, um, when, when we go through a change, when we go through a situation that really shake up the whole team, the whole department, the whole organization, music, musical expression, the permission to do this, the permission to also feel our story can actually make a huge difference and this is what this was all about
0: you know it, it um, it's an amazing um, methodology that you use because when you think about it um, music is such a release for us uh, a release of emotion tensions what have you and and you have created a way where you've taken a tense experience in the workplace mm-hmm. and made it memorable in such a way that it gives people a feeling of accomplishment and reward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is so unique because in, in many situations where we're trying to solve a problem, um, we're happy that the problem was solved but there's no I don't know how to explain, there's no release mechanism, Mm -hmm. right? And Mm -hmm. you've created a way that 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 release mechanism results in a sense of reward and accomplishment. Mm -hmm. That's masterful. So I think that you need to put a stamp on this and sell it (laughs) somehow uh, to many people because... And, and the other thing is that pe- uh, people at the top of the organization, they take the situation, whatever that situation is, and they take it very seriously. And there's always this pressure to mm-hmm. resolve. Mm-hmm. There's no pressure to rejoice in the solution.
1: Yep. Mm-hmm. Or and, to have also fun in the process. Exactly. Not, necess- not necessarily for, for the sake of fun, but for actually like having opening up this tense situation yes. because yeah. we, can, we can, we have a similar language, we can all talk about this, we all understand music and we can come together through this. If there is an otherwise tense situation, just talk about a song, uh, with you don't need to do much more, and you can, you have a similar, you know, also, you know, understanding of, of, of and, and permission to talk about this somehow,
0: yeah. Uh, and- this idea of rejoicing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't think that that's a term we use a lot and maybe we no. should explore it more because now I'm listening to you and I'm thinking about various cultures in the world
2: mm-hmm.
0: and how do they celebrate? How do they experience this joy mm-hmm. um, through the result of a happy event or a sad event, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you think about religious um, religious celebrations are steeped in music. Oh, You yes. think about culture being steeped in music. You think mm-hmm. about, um, and um, I, I would go so far as to say those cultures, at the time that they experience the most difficulties, is when music comes out more, Mm
1: -hmm. right? Yes, of course. Um, It's never the the rich, successful people who create the most thought-provoking, innovative, powerful music. It's so often the oppressed, so often the people who also do not care about material gain. Yeah. Like through, throughout history. I, I don't, you think Mozart created music because he wanted to get rich. Obviously he needed means to, to survive. And, and if, if there's income, obviously that's necessary. But like any any great, comp- Janice Chaplin, did she do it because she wanted to make a quick buck? Through? No, this is like, it's an intrinsic like need for us to express ourselves. Yeah. And, um, yeah.
0: And so bringing this into the workflow place is pure genius, pure genius. Thank goodness that you're doing that.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Um, I, I was actually like for, there, there, there are so simple, such simple ways to actually implement this without, with you don't, nobody needs music degree or background next time in, in a meeting when you talk about a specific topic or for example, how can we solve a problem better? How can we think about uh, like uh, this challenge better? Play a song that talks about these struggles. Play a song to the team while you take a quick break. Don't think about this like this challenge right now. Listen to the song and listen to the lyrics. Um, and what can you take out of it? And have this mindset when when you now then work on the challenge. I did. I do this a lot actually when I work with with teams on on. on action agile agile change uh, making sprint workshops and like cr- creating new ideas and having creating new solutions like in, in in a quick break i play them a song from west side story something's coming something's <laughs> coming i don't know what it is but it is gonna be great
0: i love it
1: even even that by itself you don't need to do much more Listen to the lyrics and have this mindset. Or there's a wonderful song that I use all the time. It's a, from an obscure musical called Anyone Can Whistle. And the song is called Everybody Says Don't, Everybody Says Don't, Everybody Says Don't Walk on the Grass, Don't Disturb the Peace, Don't Skate on the Ice, But I Say Do Walk on the Grass, represent the Field, and, and so on and so forth. It's such a great song of challenging the status quo use this to cr- have this audio this different this different input part of your work because we always otherwise look at excel sheets and at, at the zoom have audio let it let it work on you it touches you directly and then do something with it or don't do anything with it and just have this fill up your your, your daily work
0: well i as i'm listening to you i am going back to my wedding day, when you recreated Tina Turner, simply the best (laughs) for my husband. Wow. I I will never ever forget that. Mm. And everyone is still talking about um, Johannes, tell us about your story. Now, Mm -hmm. how did, how did you get to the point of being able to help people? Um, you know, I find that the people I've met in my life that are able to help people, are people who've been through something themselves, mm-hmm. I was asked just yesterday, was I always able to see the pain and other people and help them through it. And without even thinking twice, I said, yes. And they said to me, how were you able to do that? And I said, I, I don't know, I've never been asked that question, but I think the answer is <clears throat> in the pain that I've been through, I can take that and look at it for what was the lessons learned and how can I see that in other people and support those who want to, the operative words, Mm -hmm. change. Mm -hmm. So, Johannes, what you're doing in the business world is exceptional, extraordinary. It's a methodology that has not been used before in the way that you're using it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember years ago where people had an offsite, you had an orchestra leader come in and work with the audience on uh, playing a tune, what you're doing is not that. It's actually taking the subject and talking Mm -hmm. through solution through music, Mm -hmm. right? Through curating Mm -hmm. words to the songs. Mm -hmm. What in your background allows you to be able to do that?
1: Tell us your story. Yeah, that's a that's such a such a good such a good question, and I usually I'm not really asked this question a lot, and I don't get this question a lot. So I'm nosy. It take me a moment. It might take me a moment. I think I kind of always knew. I never went with the group, I think, and I was never, and it, it always feels so. It always felt normal to me to be kind of an outsider has a very negative word. I never experienced that, but somehow never being in the group so much and needing to go with the flow, but doing their own it. thing.
0: Because I think the word outsider is a beautiful word. It is somehow. Mm-hmm. it allows us to see what the world can't see. hmm We have the ability to look at things from a 360 perspective Mm -hmm. and like a a bomber jet, Mm -hmm. come laser focused Mm -hmm. on creating solution Mm -hmm. out of this wide view that we Mm -hmm. see. Mm -hmm. This bird's eye view allows us to go right for Mm -hmm. the target. Yeah. We can only do that by being an outsider.
1: Yeah. And I think I always, yeah, that's such a good, such a good way and uh, of thinking. And I love that you put this positive spin to the word outsider. So also, fully agree with you that it's, it's we 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 all are kind of outsiders in, in some way oh, or the no. other. No, no, yeah. no,
0: everybody can come into our club. Hell no. <laughs> <laughs>
1: club of outsiders. <laughs> <laughs> love that. <laughs> yeah, and and I think it requires that. Yeah, and just not 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 going with 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 the with the with with the group think, and to some of us, it's forced by external influences. To me, it was forced upon that I always I always knew it was different somehow. I always created my own worlds when I was when I was a little boy. My mom always told me I sang on my way home, and I was jumping and I was singing and full of joy, and I, I built my own worlds drawing and with music and. I always had, like, I think it was a very, uh, I had big imagination as a child. Growing up, though, I always felt I was really different. And I didn't really have any role model. Like, I mean, I'm now happily and proudly married to my wonderful husband. Never in a million years could I have imagined this growing up. Growing up in a loving environment and also, like, embedded in a culture where this was not not at all a possibility so for me this what, traditional what way you, austria, uh, austria austria okay. yes yes mm-hmm. so growing up it was always you know you need to follow this 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 path and and then and, and boyfriend's girlfriend and you, you for marriage there's a path and you get pat on the shoulder and then this and this and this because and for me nothing of that happened i didn't have any role models yeah so what is the usual way of growing up, like being gay? Uh, there was nothing. There was there was just no way. So I needed to create my own way, and like through traveling a lot, um, through uh, always doing something a little bit different, through my 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 love for for music and for the arts, for then choosing to live in different countries and like having more empathy with with other people. And very often, I think this comes naturally when when you're not like majority majority all the time to actually like think in other pe- in other people's shoes I think that's how you say yeah think like other people and what they go through and that many people are suffering silently and not sharing it and for me such a moment was when this was in my local like uh, brown- branch of the bank where I grew up and I was I don't know 20 years or something and I went to the uh, to the booth and I knew that the person who was on the other side of the booth, he was also gay. I it was I I knew it. Hey,
0: first of all, let's go back a little bit. How old were you when you realized that you were gay?
1: I kind of always knew that. I always knew that. Mm-hmm. And then there was a lot of time, a long time when this was buried, um, and kind of you know self rejection and you know not sharing it, and then kind of kind of trying to forget it.
0: So when you say you always knew, were you like the age of two, three, five, ten?
1: I mean, kind of already seven, eight or so, and then kind of forgetting, and then, you know, as a teenager, and then kind of knowing, always knowing.
0: So what made you realize at that particular age? What were the clues that you personally had? (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, the attraction, the attraction and uh, the lack of attraction, you
0: mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. and then
1: thinking, well, maybe it come it changes with time or so on. And um, but I never did. <laughs> so I thought, well, there must be more to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, but not having really role models or this was nothing in the public view or it was always it was not really a topic in, in the public mm-hmm. view. So it was very difficult for me to to, you know, really make peace with it or and living it not at all I mean yeah until much later in life
0: it's interesting that you say that because my experience of the gay world was uh so my first career was in the art world Mm -hmm. I was an interior designer so I went to school at Parsons School of Design and in the I think in the arts it's a totally different experience uh because you don't you, I was just going to say something that w- would not work. I was going to say you don't see gayism, but the actually, uh, but the reality—that sounds like people who say you don't see color. You do see it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: The difference is that the respect is different. It's, mm-hmm. um, it's—I don't know how to describe it because you almost are in the world. And you're in the gay world, and you go to parties, you go to sleepovers, and it's it's all okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I was thinking about that in terms of being black. You know, where white people would come over, go to parties, have sleepovers, and it's all okay. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I think that you know this. An interesting similarity in the concept of exposure, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you're exposed to a different culture, a different way of living, it becomes part of your life in the sense that it's okay,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? I don't know if yeah. I'm describing it right. Of
1: course, of course, yeah. It, it's it's so much the surrounding and. Again, the power of voice and of the stories we hear Mm -hmm. and the stories that are embedded in our mind. And I I know a few of those remarks like towards gay people when I grew up and I heard them and I thought they I I still can I can still, you know, could repeat them right now. The specific sentence because it made such it was imprinted in my head. Yeah. So let's not underestimate the power of words and what this can do to to fragile fragile people or to people who are unsure unsafe which way they should go would it be a good idea for this person to be open about their experience in this that's
0: an interesting comment because the question is aren't we all fragile in a certain point of our lives
1: mm-hmm. yep we want where to blend our
0: impression in question and what people say become embedded in our history of course you know mm-hmm. um and and that's the point where i think parents have to take on a responsibility mm-hmm. to expose children
2: mm-hmm. to
0: different cultures different lifestyles
1: mm-hmm.
0: in discussion mm-hmm. in acceptance mm-hmm. not to make judgment yeah but that's a-
1: this is, like, this can be achieved, like, even in a minor way, that's a massive progress that that we have. If we, like, reduce judgment of, of other people and their decisions, if they don't hurt anyone, um, this is a major achievement that we can create. And I think, I think we, uh, as a society, I mean, I can only speak about... The countries i know in central europe in austria and then lived in switzerland in the united states i think the conversation that we had like 20 years ago when i was a little boy 30 years ago and that we're having now i think despite all setbacks it's a positive is a positive um, direction in general so slow with setbacks that's at least my personal experience
0: so let's go back to the bank story because I cut mm-hmm. you off and that sounds like mm-hmm. an interesting part of your journey. Yeah. Well, this was
1: one of the first times when I, without being out and, uh, but I kind of, I knew that the person, the, the bank teller that he was gay and he was around my age, uh, was very friendly. Um, and then a month later or so, I, I, I heard that he committed suicide because of the fear that he would be rejected by his friends. And this was for me such a, I didn't even know this person, but it it really hit a nerve and it was soul crushing to think about you take your life because you are afraid to share who you are. And um, I didn't really do anything about it. I still didn't speak out. But I felt such a disconnect between what I need to say, that it's not them. There's someone gay. No, there's so many, like, seven, five, six, seven percent of people, are, I don't know. What is, should we be silent? Should we stay silent? What? So this was very, a very. And a how
0: very... did you know when you met him?
1: Hmm. It's difficult. It's difficult to say. Um, I think it was maybe in some intuition, like maybe some awareness. You know, when when you already you. I think once you grow up with music, and with a little with listening to people, and empathy, and already knowing that you feel different, it's a little easier to 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 understand other people and to to kind of know where they're coming from if it makes sense
0: i agree with you and i asked that question because i think based upon my experience in the art world um i have that same ability to recognize right Mm -hmm. and people will say to me how do you know i mean you're you're not gay and i'm like um And I think about it and I can't answer the question. I cannot answer the question. But spending uh, a good pair, a good amount of my time, my formative years in the arts, Mm -hmm. you, as you're saying, you develop this sort of um, abilities Mm -hmm. to really pay attention. Mm -hmm. I think that's what it's about. It's really paying attention. Yep, yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And picking up on, yeah. and, you know, once somebody said to me, um, I, I I couldn't quite figure out where I was in the universe in terms of um, the experiences I was receiving as a black person. And somebody said to me, you know, CB, you're really brilliant, but the problem is you deny your gut feeling. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, whoa, what what the heck is that about, right? Mm -hmm. And I really thought about it for a long time and started to understand what it meant. And so I think that one of the things that you do through your music is allow people to pay attention to their gut feeling Mm -hmm. and then understand how to use that knowledge in a favorable way. Mm -hmm. I think that all of us need to figure out how to pay attention to our gut because paying attention to our gut sometimes means not paying attention to what people are saying, but paying attention to how are they delivering the message Mm -hmm. and what's behind the message what are their intrinsic motivators,
2: mm-hmm.
0: really listening. And, and, you know, when I was at the new school um, for social research, I'll never forget, and people in the audience have heard me talk about this, the assignments that we got taught us to think. Now, when I say that to the average person, they're going, CB, what What the hell are you talking about? Taught mm-hmm. you to think. hmm but it did. It taught us to think in a non-biased way. Doesn't mean I have don't have my biases. I'm not saying that. Can't stand peas, right? Um, but it taught us to listen in in a different dimension than just using your ears. And you're teaching people to speak at a different dimension than just. The spoken word,
1: right? Mm-hmm. It's yeah, that's a beautiful way of, of, of phrasing it too. It's it's really more than lis- listening to the words or writing down words. It's about the intention that I have when I create it, the the thought that goes into it. How much of my inner world am I allowing to to share with others? Because this has says a lot about also the trust that I have into others of not being judged or being fine with being judged, if not everybody loves what I have to say, how much am I willing to share? And you know, those songwriters are often people who have a lot of this capacity to share their innermost world. And that's why it, it connects so well with everybody because we understand, it listens, we understand. And it's not just superficial, superficial love song, or like biographical details or boasting it's about really the deepest scars and the deepest fears um, that we have and that makes it that makes it so so deep and so um engaging and for myself it helped me also fi- finally at one point in my life making peace with um with with the fact how i felt and who i was and sharing this with the world because i was already speaking on stage and and talking about authenticity and how to share your stories authentically. And I remember I was invited to a speaking engagement. It was with the, with the entrepreneurs organization about resilience. I spoke about resilience and I taught people how to write a song about resilience with 60 entrepreneurs. And preparing this, I thought, I'm not living my own authenticity if I don't share what I have to say. And this was a moment when I was on stage and said for the first time publicly that I was gay. This was big How for me. How old were you then? I was 30 something, 34. Wow, mm-hmm. wow. And from this moment on, I kind of knew, I mean, it sounds kitschy, a little cliche. I kind of know I was free, of, <laughs> I can do whatever I want. I don't need to fear those uncomfortable discussions. Oh, where's your girlfriend and so on. I am free. And this was a major breakthrough um, to me, for me personally. But because, you know, it <laughs> was my own aha moment, my own, my own like, revelation through music. Johannes, you write songs, you tell other people to open up, you need to open up yourself.
0: And what happened in the audience? What I mean, a- the-
1: very kind and very encouraging, like, uh, like reactions and, and applause and it was beautiful and some some people wrote me after that actually um, and that was very very heartwarming that they they, sh- they I remember that when when I got this email to say that this um, uh, was impactful would be an understatement because we like people shared wrote a song about resilience and that it came on stage just uh, reciting their text, their, their lyrics. And I had a beautiful, we had a beautiful grand piano there. So I accompanied them on grand piano, why they sh- while they sang their song about resilience, about personal struggles with those 60 strangers in front of them. Unforgettable, and never forget this, this event.
0: Wow, wow. Yeah,
1: I, I, I got so much more out of it than they would ever know. <laughs>
0: I, I would say that <laughs> it, it probably allowed them such freedom. Uh, to be able to talk to things that were in them that they have never shared.
1: Mm -hmm. Someone shared about it was about resilience and I thought well they will probably share something about you know how to overcome professional struggles and how they bounce back and then someone went on stage and sang his song about that he neglected his family that he doesn't even speak to his daughter that he doesn't even know his daughter well and that he needs to change that. Everybody was crying. It was, there was, for me a moment, I thought it's worth it. It's worth doing that because this was cathartic. It was cathartic. And I I also didn't expect that people would open up that much. Um, But there is, you know, this, this different setting, this different structure. All of a sudden, you have the melody and it allows you and it gives you the courage maybe to to share things that are very personal. You know, if I say something, um, if I say something very emotional to the audience, it might come off weird, but I can sing about it. I can sing a love song and it's not weird. And I can look at the people in their eye and it's fine. And it just gives us some crutch, if you will. Whatever helps to to open up. (laughs) Right? Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, I had an experience where, um, I'm not sure the audience knows, but I think they do, uh, when I discovered that I was dyslexic. And my my upset with it, this is gonna sound really weird, is when I say to people I'm dyslexic, they like to say, I am too. (laughs) "Um, No, you're not. You can't play in my playground. I've mm-hmm. been clinically diagnosed as dyslexic. Mm-hmm. Have you? Uh, no, but I spell things wrong, and so it's kind of everybody wants to join the club, right?
1: Yeah, of course. i oh, but- me too. Me too. I'm gay. I'm me too. All, all of a sudden, why? <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I'm like, wait a second. You don't understand what it's like to go through school. And the world for years thinking you were not bright yeah and then all of a sudden to find out that your intellect surpasses most people that you're going to meet on the street but because you have a disorder Mm -hmm. you and that you didn't know how to work around it Mm -hmm. it held you back but Mm -hmm. i'm telling you johannes when i found out i had it and i was able to talk about it it freed me so much Uh, and the only time i get upset now is when people say i can cure you i want to (laughs) take them and go do you not get it i don't need you to cure me yeah i'm good yeah you
1: know oh so helpful everybody's too help sometimes too helpful people yeah that's
0: yes yeah i
1: mean well and then how come Leave it. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. I'm fine. I'm fine. (laughs) Yes,
0: exactly. And so I I think I'm going to send them to you now to write a song.
1: Yes. (laughs) Write a song about it. (laughs) It Solves everything.
0: Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's amazing. Um, You know, I was talking to somebody the other day who was saying how upset that they got over the phrase of people who say, I don't see color. And I said, why are you getting upset? Mm -hmm. Well, how could we, we all see color? How could they not see? I said, no, no. That's not what they're saying to you.
1: What are they saying?
0: They are saying to you that we or I want to help you not help you we want to be part of whatever it takes whatever you need to solve but we have we don't understand Mm -hmm. so we need you to help us understand so we could be part of the solution
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: that's what they're really saying but they Mm -hmm. don't know how to say it
1: i think there's such a a great point you you're making that's also my my so much of my impression that so for so many people it's not part of the lived experience on a daily basis there is no vocabulary yes never been brought up to talk about it in a way that is fine especially if you grew up in a country i mean in the united states is different growing up in central europe in austria no one talks about about no one talked about these these topics, how to have better conversation, because it's not the lived reality for the massive majority. So it yeah. doesn't exist, and they and then you're afraid, and people are afraid and don't know what to say, and then they stay quiet. Yes. Um, so actually sharing raising this awareness that it's fine or, to talk. or they try yeah. to
0: speak about it in a way that actually comes out disrespectful
1: and con- yes, that's, I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I had a person say that to me just this past week. And I said, and it wasn't from the United States. And I said, I need you to understand by saying that you're disrespecting the person you're speaking to. And mm-hmm. he said, what are you talking about, I had terrible experiences being raised Irish. Um, And so I understand. I said no. I said by saying that you're saying you don't respect the trials and tribulations that the person went through because you don't want to recognize the difference, mm-hmm. or you choose not to recognize the difference, mm-hmm. or you don't know enough to recognize the difference, yep. right? So if I say to somebody who's gay, I don't recognize you as being gay, what, conversation is what
1: kind mean? of over. Yeah, <laughs> there's no exactly. conversation. Yes.
0: Exactly. Because it
1: builds it builds the wall. It 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 this leads to this defensive mechanism that yeah. we need to, because all of a sudden I need to defend. I'm not in an open conversation where we you know play balls in a friendly way back and forth and like try to heighten the game or our experience, our common shared experience. With this, if I block and I and I raise the wall, and that's I think so often. Problems in not so ne- not necessarily of not meaning well. Problems of we do not learn how to communicate. We do not learn it in school. We often do not learn it from parents. If we do it, we're extremely lucky. Right. It's it needs to be part of the curriculum. How to ask questions when it comes when the other person has the emotions, emotional baggage, or how to ask the question when I have the emotional baggage. How do I ask the 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 why questions? Why is it? How can I help? what is what is behind it how can to ask this and not just those yes and no question where i kind of corner the other person
0: yeah yeah
1: (sighs) and uh, yeah that's a that's that's very um big big topic yeah
0: yeah i i was in a uh, florist store about two weeks ago and i saw a woman using walking sticks Mm And normally you would see that like if somebody's climbing a mountain or in Colorado here, we see it a lot. But I was watching the woman who was with her daughter Mm -hmm. and I could see that her daughter was embarrassed that her mom was using these walking sticks in a florist store, a garden store, right? Mm -hmm. So I turned to the woman and I said, you're using walking sticks my husband bought those for me for a couple of Christmases ago do you what's your experience of using them mm-hmm. And she said uh-huh thank you for asking she said I was in a oh no she said I received a um, flu shot and it paralyzed me Oh no. And so she said, she told the story how she was hospitalized for quite some time and they didn't think she would walk again, but she learned how to walk and the mm-hmm. walking sticks help her balance herself. Mm-hmm. And I said, can you show me how to use them? And so she said, I use them stick first and I steady myself and then I bring up the other stick. And I said, thank you so much. I have not used the ones that my husband bought me. And I have a bad back and I did not know how to use them or really what they were for. And I like to get out and walk. I, at the corner of my eye, I was watching her daughter and her body language shifted from being ashamed to being proud of her mom, which was my intent.
1: Wonderful, wonderful
0: in addition to learning how to use them, because I put yeah, them away. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. what the hell is this for, right? Yeah. Um, I think that we need to pay attention. And we need to figure out how to ask the questions that mm-hmm. will enlighten us and ease the burden of other people.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know why this is not taught.
1: Yeah but what you did is it's beautiful what you did because you you allowed her to share your her story probably for the first time probably for the first time to her daughter who for whatever reason did not understand you gave her the space to share her experience and this you know releases so much of this tension and this misunderstanding of this you know antipathy that might you know arise over over a long month. Over a long period of time.
0: And I I only saw it as I learned how to use walking sticks, mm-hmm. then, you know, I yeah. could be real Colorado now with my walking <laughs> sticks.
1: <laughs> Very handy in Colorado. Yes. <laughs>
0: but I did my, my other, my other <clears throat> reason was to relax her daughter,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, um, because it's a beautiful thing to see parents shopping with their children. Mm -hmm. I love seeing it. I didn't see that enough in New York. Mm -hmm. I love seeing fathers out with their children. Mm -hmm. And so that that experience of them sharing, shopping for flowers and plants could be a positive experience versus Mm -hmm. an embarrassing experience for a young teenage gal, Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. It, it changes. It changes. It completely changes the dynamic if we see. Like there, there are some some topics as well with the medical like uh, challenges that people that people have. And I know people who are a little bit you know forgetful when they get older, and then often the reaction in their environment is, "Oh my God, you're getting stupid, or you're getting silly, and why don't you remember that? Why don't you remember that?" because they don't even know that this is a diagnosis that this person has, that short-term memory, there are some challenges. But once you have this and you can switch this conversation, that is okay. That is, I have challenges with this. I cannot change it. This is what I need. we, We need to accept. And this doesn't define me who I am. This doesn't mean there is anything stupid or silly or clumsy or whatever other like derogatory words there are for this no this is one one little aspect that i'm not able to keep you know have a good short term memory and that's part of it and that's part of the story but the bigger picture is that everything else is wonderful so let us also be be like very mindful of which part of the story do we want to perpetuate and which parts of the story are not that important because this little this little incident of this woman with the walking sticks oh you can't walk this defines you no all of us this, this is this is not the story at all so 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 often we have wrong perceptions of what the actual story is the actual achievements the actual things we want to overcome what is it what we want to emphasize and that's far too often we emphasize the the imperfect and the and the little imperfections and the the negative sides even though. It's just a tiny little element. So what can we do with this? Do you want to make an elephant out of this? Or do you want to minimize it? Do you want to accept it lovingly and say, this is part of the story. And there's so much more to this bigger picture. And what you've done was actually with, with the lady in in the in the store changing this narrative to put this, you know, she need the walking sticks, put it in the right perspective.
0: And I think Johannes, in listening to you, it's a two-way street, which never occurred to me before, and you're providing the tool for the other side of the street, which is to admit the difference that you have and allow people to talk about it, give them the space to talk about it. and you know, it, it seems to me, Johannes, the work that you do can play such a bigger role in creating that space so people feel free to talk about it. And then when they're free to talk about it, somehow it transcends to people being okay with talking to you about it. Mm-hmm. I've said to people in the work that I'm doing in the DNI space, it's okay to ask me about my hair. It's okay to ask me if I get sunburned. Um, whereas when I was younger, I thought, "What an insane question!" I just cleaned that up. <laughs> <laughs> but, but now that I'm older, I see that that's a conversation that should be okay to have.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Because how else is somebody going to learn? Mm-hmm. Uh, like I asked a colleague of us, ours in MG100, who's from Canada, when he said, "Well, we have racism here in Canada," and I said, "What? You, the country's all white. What are you talking about?" <laughs> and and that's when I learned about the Indigenous population.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But I would not have learned if I didn't feel free to make a stupid comment that I made, and he didn't <laughs> say. Okay, CB, you are totally <laughs> missing some intelligence quota. <laughs> he explained to me how it works in Canada, and now mm-hmm. I can see it, understand it, understand what's in the news. So I don't know, it's it's really hard. It's it's a street that has to be has to go two ways.
1: Mhm. Absolutely. That's often what uh, occurs to me when we talk about since I'm following news like in, in, in Austria a lot and also everything in German-speaking countries, when there is a conversation about United States and racism yes, in the United States. What do they There's say? Racism uh, explodes in, 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 in the United States and and I often think, wait a minute. There, The racism that is there in Europe is not, nothing is better. It's just less visible because wow. the majority is white and the majority doesn't need to understand more because it's outside of their, of their lived experience every day, as, as I mentioned before. So if you say racism is, is bigger, let's, let's see, let's look at the numbers. Like, what is it? What is, you know, how many, how many African Americans, how many uh, Asian Americans, how many indigenous people are in the United States? How many whites, how many Latinos? And like, let's compare this to Europe. And so this 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 needs some you know also some you know like good perspective because it's easy to talk about other countries' problems if mm-hmm. you have if you're a majority white country yes. and if you do not face it at all and if and if you pretend you don't have a problem with it with 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 um, structural racism and with people who don't even acknowledge that there is racism yeah so and that's what's happening a lot in europe with a little bit of a there's a wonderful word uh in german like schadenfreude like uh, like if you're happy for other people's like problems when people look to the united states and say oh they have all these problems look at them they're not that great they didn't, look at look at your own country you don't even need to you didn't even face anything
0: Yeah, that's a a great point. So Johannes, um, we, uh, oh my goodness, have we run past our time? Oh my God, this has been such a great conversation. I
1: know there's an open conversation today, right? (laughs) (laughs) Time flies when you're having fun.
0: (laughs) I want to know as as a closing statement, um, is there a way that you could take your talents, your abilities, and spread it wider? than <laughs> working with one company at a time. How, how can you, the, the work that you're doing is so genius. How can you get masses of people on board with what you're doing? How do we I, learn what you're doing? Do you have it, a train the trainers program? I just do a whole bunch of questions at you. Have yeah, on. I think
1: like, it's, so number one is it's about the idea. That's what I like also you know like reckoning with okay, it should it's not about me being somewhere. That's that's right the wrong approach and I'm but what is the idea that we want to you know transport, that we want to bring across? Because as one person, there's you know, that's very, very, very limited. And making making a change in, in one person at a time, that's that's great already. So I think when we talk about scaling this idea, it's not about Johannes or one person talking to a million people, but having a million people having the same idea and talking to one person. So, so- if the the and it, and it is happening anyway because we have so so many people who live through music, who who listen wonderfully, who improvise all the time, who take risks, who practice with others, who collaborate with others, who create the original work, who compose, who play, who perform, who make other, others' lives better. That's all part of it. That is all part of the equation. So it's not like this is not happening at all. Um, in And in, in the way that that I'm trying, you know, not trying, <laughs> the way that I'm doing it is just having people like have it very on top of their mind, very being very aware of it. So that might be a difference. So yeah, train to train us is, is, is a good idea. Like i um, having I also have a lot of ideas to scale this idea through um through scalable songwriting services, for example, where uh, people share their stories and we actually with a armada of songwriters created in a very quick way for for people so there are a lot of ideas out there that i have and that that i follow up with and yeah but in, in the end it's not it's not about me at the end I, I it's not it doesn't matter if if i'm here or not the in the end what is important think creatively think like a musician be in touch with your soul with your heart and share what you have to share with your beautiful unique voice and share to make the life of others a little bit better during that day. And that's all we can do.
0: Johannes, you're, sp- you're speaking like a true hero, mm. uh, but within that, and within that, I-, I want you to recognize that the work that you're doing is very special and very unique to you. And I am helping my wish is that you're able to train others to do what you do with the love that you do it in. And when you say you're changing one person at a time, and and that is not, um, not as critical as many people taking this on and sharing it with other people. And I will push back and say regardless of whether you share it with one person, a hundred persons or a thousand people, each person that you share this technique with is receiving a gift to be able to share that with somebody else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We may not be able to do it as good as you can, but the experience that you have given us is a gift that we can talk about and share with others. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for doing the work that you're doing. And please, anyone who's listening, you see Johannes' name there, he's on LinkedIn, reach out to him. This is amazing work, amazing. It sets you free. It will set your company free to accomplish goals that you couldn't even imagine. Trust me, you all know me. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm that tough broad that has that sensitive soul. So when I speak like this, I really mean it. Get in touch with Johannes. Make a difference in the work that you're doing. Johannes oh,
1: thank you thank you so thank much you so much thank you so much CB
0: and leaders that are listening CEOs it's so important that you reach out to this man make a difference in your organization Johannes why don't you give us your way to reach you besides linkedin
1: sure i mean linkedin is a great is a great way to connect first of all since we're all <laughs> here already um you can like connect with me on through my through my email my first name johannes and then at johannesflecker.com johannes at johannesflecker.com and i'll be happy to to answer any questions or give any musical input or advice great
0: thank you so much for sharing your personal life the techniques that you're using to improve the business world, the techniques that we can use to improve our lives and the lives of others. Thank you so much, Johannes, for being here.
1: Thank you so much, CB, for having me. Thank you so much for everything you do. It was such a pleasure to be here.
0: Thank you. Okay, everybody, you have your assignment. You know what to do. Get in touch with Johannes. That's my secret for today. And I will see you next week. We missed you last week, but you know what? Follow me and you'll know when to tune in. Take care. Have a great day and be successful and communicate out there with everyone. Bye now.